Gennaro Rewind, hosted by Matt Namofsky. Hello, NRL fans, and welcome back to the NRL Rewind podcast. I'm your host, Matt Namofsky. Welcome back to the Sunday session, recapping round four of the Telstra Premiership. Namas, how are you, mate? Very good. Super coach-wise, got a 4-0 start to the season, so very happy with that. Look, you know, yes, currently on the on the call right now, we've got the only two undefeated guys in our draft <laughs> competition. So, you know, four and over flying. We both cracked a thousand this week. Yeah, so, yeah. Thanks to some good captaincy options. Yeah. So I think, you know, we'll I'm gonna do a super a separate super coach one this week because I think, you know, we're getting, you know, four weeks in. It's a nice little a, a month of footy is a good little stretch where you can kind of take out some trends and stuff and you know can start really nailing down some things. I think we'll do a separate Supercoach one this week, but we'll definitely sprinkle some of that in because <laughs> we have to cheer about our things while they're going good. Bit of but bragging, it, yeah. It was an interesting round of footy, uh, Johnny. Obviously, the the biggest story last week was the 18th man, um, you know, lots of injuries. Didn't have that many this week compared to last, but I think this week the the clear talking point is the the talent discrepancy in the league, the, the top half of the league <laughs> yeah. versus the bottom half of the league. You know, we'll, we'll dive into each game, but... Just as a sweeping statement for the round, what what's your views on the the top versus the bottom? How, how do we how far are we right now from those teams being close, and how do we get them closer? Yeah, well, I think um, that if you, I'm just looking at the scores for the first four games of the round. You got Panthers forty six to six mm. over the Eagles. You got the Rabbitohs thirty eight to nil over the Bulldogs. Storms forty to six over the Broncos and Sharks 48 to 10 over the Cowboys. Yep. Um, do I need to say any more? I feel like <laughs> just from these first four games, you can definitely see the, you know, the discrepancies between the uh, the top eight versus the bottom eight right there. Yeah. And a lot of people, you know, said when the, the rule changes came in, there was definitely going to be, you know, the, the good coaches and the good playing groups would be able to adapt really quickly and, you know, get some some advantages, but I don't think we, we've seen it going this far. And I guess, like I said, we'll go into each game by game, but yeah, some clubs around the league are really at, at a cross point, you know, and you'd, it's really hard to say that in round four, but there's some seasons on the line very soon. You know, there's some seasons that are already, you could potentially say then, you know, they're very, they're on life support. So some coaches on the blocks already. That's it. We'll start with the first game. So you mentioned that the Penrith Panthers, they went to uh, Lotto land. And they put 46 on the Seagulls, so 46 to 6. Uh, and look, my bold statement for this game is Manly and Des, you know, reports that the higher-ups at Manly have tried to get him to bring in Paul Green to, you know, assistant coach and, you know, get another look into this playing group. But to me, for all the criticism of Des, show me where the troop, like, you know, obviously he's a, a big reason to the recruiting strategy of that club, but he just doesn't have the cattle. Yeah, yeah. Look, um, you can't have Dylan Walker no. at uh, fullback and you can't have, um, you know, Josh Schuster. He, he's a great 5'8", but you can't have him in the second row. Um, look, with the Seagulls, just watching that game back, um, I'm not sure if it was like an effort area. Um, like the, with the Panthers, they looked like they were just on a training run, you know, Luai and the boys leading them around that left edge. They just looked like they're having the time of their life out there. Whereas the... The Seagulls, they just really struggled to get any traction going. Yeah, uh, we spoke about with Chris in the TLT pod, you know, the the Dylan Walker fullback experience, you know, <laughs> it's got to end. And, you know, if it's Ruben Garrett going a fullback, is it Morgan Harper going a fullback? I just, we're four weeks in now. We know what Dylan Walker is and he's not a fullback. And the reports that Turbo's at least another week away, so he's definitely not playing round five. They're aiming for round six now. Yeah. He's got to make changes because, you know, it's getting to a point now where, you know, another one, like, you know, how you're saying plays out of position, Morgan Boyle, who's a prop, an out-and-out prop, was on an edge. And, you know, it's just not going to it's not going to work. Like you said, that Luai, Kikau, Burden, and To'o edge, it's just yeah. like, it, it was like a training run. Some of the tries, you know, on the rewatch were just elementary. Backyard you know, footy. Yeah, just, you know, nice sweet plays to the left, outnumber your man. There was plenty of times where they actually had the numbers and it just, Luai was able to get on the outside shoulder because, you know, that's the, they targeted the the most Asuli Cherry Evans side of the park. And yeah, Cherry Evans had a bit of an ordinary one. What, 
DCE. It's a it's a real touching boy for some manly fans, you know. Obviously, when that when that team goes, he he does hum and gets and steers that team around the park really well. Um, but yeah, he's without Turbo and he's the main attacking option, and all the teams know it, it's pretty hard for him to get anything going. Yeah, exactly. I mean, um, you said it right there, DCE. He's the main attacking weapon now, and you know, you shut him down. Um, that there goes pretty much the Seagulls' attack. Um, Look, I don't think, you know, t- Turbo coming back will be the solution. It just looks like effort right around the park. Um, Moses Sully, he didn't look like he wanted to be out there. He, he went off earlier. I know he was injured, but, um, you know, with this seal, even with their um, their forwards, you know, Mai Tapao, um, you know, he, he's usually a real um, go forward there, but him and Taniela Paseca, they just did not make any inroads that game. Yeah, the, the Panthers' forward pack's obviously one of the better ones. They can really stifle a team. But you said it right there, you know, if your forwards aren't getting into the advantage line, you've already got a depleted back line. There's not much of a chance, you know. So, obviously, a lot of criticism. The only criticism I would give Des Hasler is just he's not changed. He hasn't tried exactly. to change it up. Yeah. You know, I think in a lot of these games that they've played, you know, they've played the Rabbits, they've played uh, the Roosters, I believe, uh, the Panthers. You know, they've played some pretty top-quality sides. And... You know, obviously, when you go man versus man, they're never going to have the the upper hand in terms of talent. So, you know, from a talent perspective, I get why they're not getting the results. But yeah, like I said, Dylan Walker, we're four weeks in a row now. There was that one, their first chance on the line uh, in the in the game, and they're going a sweet play to the right, and you know, he throws that cut out of Jason Saab, and Saab was no chance, and it, it was a pass that didn't get thrown. It was a pass he should have just taken it, you know, or try and dribble in a kick you know he has got a bit of a kicking game just wrong options and you know again dylan walker is a fine player but if he's supposed to be your second attacking option in this team at fullback it's just not going to work but we'll go back to the panther side really quick before we do leave this game again another complete performance by this panther side we spoke about that left edge is, is incredible that's not even mentioning uh nathan cleary probably the best halfback in the game Apisai Coruscant, still out with injury. Dylan Edwards out with injury. Stephen Crichton, a fullback. How did you rate his performance? Uh, I think it was a solid performance. I don't think it was, you know, everyone expecting him to, you know, set the world on fire. He, he may, might just need a game or two to um, uh, get into his groove. But, you know, he, he's such an athlete. I, I don't think there'll be any issues there. They, this Panther squad, they're just so much depth. You know, you throw in... Matty Burden, he's just an out-and-out uh, football player. He's just giving them an extra option on that left edge. And, um, yeah, the, just anyone who just comes into his team just does their role and just smashes it out. Yeah, and, I, and that's a good point because, you know, there was a lot of um, – Dean Farrow obviously left the club. Uh, Brett Naden still got his suspension. So, you know, they were, they were pretty short in, in terms – Caleb Bacon's left in free agency. So there was a couple of options where a lot of the depth from last season – like you said, um, they're, they're able to plug those gaps really well. Before we do move on to the next game, have thirty seconds. Gloat about your your three Panthers um, <laughs> in your in your Super Coach team. Oh mate, uh, Jerome Luai and Nathan Cleary um, and Maddie Burton. Do I need to say more? You know, oh. they're just all tuned up, and I can't even fit Maddie Burton in my team. So you know, boys, if you're listening, um, open up for a second row offers for Maddie Burton out there. Well, I'm, I'm definitely going to give you a, a secondary call after this and we can go through a couple of options. But we'll move on to the next game for now. Another one that's going to be a, it's causing a lot of stir in one of the clubs. South Sydney Rabbitohs 38, defeating the Kenya Bankstown Bulldogs 0 at Stadium Australia. It's now getting to a point now with the Bulldogs. Another, another duck egg. Um, Trent Barrett brought over as the attacking coach. A lot of raps that he was the one who turned around. Uh, Nathan Cleary and Jerome Luai into the attacking force that they are now. Um, where where do we start here? Is it the the rab- the rabbits getting into some form here, or is it the bulldogs and their attacking woes? Honestly, um, I'm not sure if you watched the press conference at the end, of, but I don't think um, you know Wayne Bennett was all that pleased with that 38 to nil performance. No, he they weren't even humming. No, um, they they weren't even at you know, um, top gear with the Bulldogs, they, I feel like they just lack a bit of confidence out there, you know, having those duck eggs, they, they, they sit on in your mind and, um, you know, when they get to the other end, they just don't have the right uh, fifth tackle options. And, um, you know, it's, 
you know, part of it is defense, part of it is attack, but I feel like it's a confidence. You know, your attack gives you the, the confidence to, you know, go out and defend. Yeah. And again, me and Chris spoke about it. Um, you know, Trent Barrett did the opposite approach of Des Hasler. He swung the axe, made a lot of changes. Corey Allen brought over as the high-priced fullback, moving to the wing. Nick Mini played well before his injury, I thought. Uh, but to me, obviously, Lachlan Lewis going down in the first three minutes, you know, it's really hard when, you know, obviously he probably trained all week and had a couple of set plays for him. Um, but another perfect um, reason why a guy like Jack, Jake Avarillo in this side should not be dropped out of the 17 altogether. Yeah. You know, whether he's at 5'8", whether he's on the bench, you don't have game breakers in this team. You need to have as many talented X factors as you can on the field. And the fact that he's not there, um, it was really... If I'm a if I'm a Bulldogs fan, and you know we're talking about like the panic scale of how I how I would feel about my club, I'll be up to about a six by now. You know, it's early. It's only round four, and you know I've, I said before the season this is a this is a kind of a stepping stone year to 2022. But yeah, I'm I'm just looking for who who's going to be my cornerstones, and I'm not seeing it. You know, Kyle Flanagan. You know, again, I thought he was hard done by the Roosters, had a really nice round one. You know, he's played his hand pretty well the last couple of weeks. But, yeah, if he, again, we're talking about main attacking options and the other team who's a well-coached team, a Wayne Bennett team, knows, okay, if I shut down Kyle Flanagan in this game, there's probably not much else that's going to be coming at me. It's a lot of pressure on the young man. So well, for all the criticism that I see leveled at the Bulldogs and the Bulldog fans having, I think Kyle Flanagan should be right down the bottom of that list. I think he, he is not the problem. I think if you're going into a game and you're expecting Kyle Flanagan to be your sole attacking option to pull you out of it, you've got the wrong mindset, which is why I just can't wait for Matty Burton to come there next season and really help him out. But let's talk about the, the Rabbitohs here. You know, we spoke about it just there. Wayne wasn't totally happy. It was a, probably a third gear performance from the Rabbits and they still put 38 on. Cody Walker's probably going to be out next week suspended, but how do, how do you see this Rabbitohs team ticking over? Well, I mean, the, it's been said before, hasn't it? They've got the best spine in the competition. You know, you got um, Adam Reynolds leading the troops out there. Um, you know, he's got the best kicking game um, in the game. And you got Latrell Mitchell. He's, he's really shut you know, all his doubters out there. Um, and, you know, Cody Walker and uh, Damien Cook as well. That's, those are just X factors written all over it. Yeah, and Latrell, you know, it, it was that question when he came to the Souths, you know, was he the missing piece to get them over the hump um, as the fullback? And, you know, he's showing some really, really nice touches out there, striking really nice partnerships. And again, that forward pack, you know, it's one of those ones that's not the biggest one, but they make meters. And Jai Arrow has a lot of people before Impact. the season. Yeah, a lot of people before the season saying, you know, oh, he's on the bench. You're paying 700000 for a guy on the bench, but he's just coming in there, ripping in, averaging, it needs to be around 20 hit-ups a game, just putting his stamp all over the game. Yeah. In terms of the, in terms, again, this is another game with a talent divide. Give me, what's more likely, the Rabbits winning the comp or the Dogs uh, getting the spoon? What, what which, which team do you see really elevating the game versus um, the other? Jeez, I hate to be offensive on that one, but I feel like they're both equally likely. I mean, you know, the dogs are 0 from 4. Give, that said, you know, they haven't had the easiest um, mm. draw to start the season. It it's doesn't a good get thing, it's easier. A good, it's a good thing to mention that they've had a really tough stretch of games and they've still got a couple more before they start getting a Storms bit more lighter in, their, in yeah. their schedule. But it's a good point. But then again, um, the Rabdos, they, uh, you know, after round one, they've just been flying high, haven't they? Three in a row now. Um, look, I guess their all the hype was, um, yeah, justified really. Yeah, and it's going to be really interesting. Obviously, like we said, Cody Walker's out next week, so um, probably brings Benji Marshall into, into the starting side. Um, and again, you know, Cody Walker's a fantastic player, but you're not losing much when you've got the experience of a Benji Marshall come in. This is what the great sides do. They recognize depth will win your comps. Yep. Not the best yeah. one to thirteen. It's about where's the depth because, you know, Cody Walker's going to be suspended for a week. You've got a guy who's won a premiership before, you know, veteran of the game. He'll step in there. They won't lose a beat. So yeah. uh, we'll leave that one there. We'll move on to the next game. It was the second Friday game. Brisbane uh, traveled down to Melbourne. 
and another whitewash. Melbourne 40 defeating the Brisbane Broncos 6. And this one, I'll take the lead on this one. It was the Ryan Pappenhausen show. Um, my captain in draft got me nearly a 400 as a cap. Uh, the four Jesus. tries in it. The four tries in 11 minutes. That was before the game. I did. I was watching with a couple of the boys. I did call. I'm expecting at least four tries, <laughs> and that. And the first twenty. The first 20 minutes was not what I expected. That, yeah. that, that was not the the attack looked clunky from a Melbourne Storm. Did you know, they, lots of errors. They went down the left edge a couple of times. Errors. Uh, you know, silly silly offloads. And I'm I'm just sitting there going. Don't tell me this is the game that's going to ruin a perfect round, or this is going to be the game that, you know, we're going to be talking about going Melbourne up the pretenders, but they've got the ability. There's not many clubs in the in the comp. There's probably about three or four max in this comp that can just flip the switch and yep. can end the game in 10 minutes. Just go, yeah. And to me, I haven't seen a support player, like until I haven't seen a support player since Billy Slater do what Pappenhausen's doing in the first four weeks. Obviously missed the game, but the way he's just, he bobs around the ball and he looks for the ball. Um, you know, the first try, out of car down the left, runs down the sideline inside of Pappenhausen, beautiful. Then you got Justin Olam running straight through the middle, Pappenhausen supporting. The next one, Nassim Solomona, tangled up on the on the 10 meter line, attacking He's swiveling his body around. You see Pappenhausen swinging around the back, going, he's gone to the right, he's gone left, just looking for that ball. Ball pops out, bang, try. And obviously the last one, Jerome Hughes straight through the middle again, Pappenhausen inside. It's just, it was a joy to watch. And again, obviously I enjoyed it a little bit more because it was in my in my uh, super coach side, but you just have to sit back and appreciate, you know, there was a lot of praise heaped on too. There was a couple of, would you prefer Teddy or Pappenhausen? Obviously that's going a bit too far for me, but just in terms of a, just a pure joy to watch. And the reason why you just can't rule Melbourne, anyone who ruled out Melbourne before the start of the season was crazy because when you got guys like Cameron Munster, you got a professional forward pack, and then you got a guy like Pappenhaus in the back, it's, it's bred for success. Yeah. So, yeah, I, I admit when I, when, you know, I was watching Pappenhausen last season, I thought it was a bit, he got a bit uh, manhandled a bit. It was a bit too small. There's not much of him. He's 80 kilos. But geez, you know, when you have that speed, you know, if they can't lay a finger on you, then weight doesn't become a factor, does it? It's a great point. Last year, he would run, he would bull from fullback, he would bull rush into the defensive line. Yeah. He'd always get picked up 10 meters back. This exactly. year, he's doing a lot better job of trying to not let them get the first hit on. And if, even if they, if they hit him, it's never front on, which is what you want to see from Pappenhausen. He's getting a lot smarter now where he's trying to get those angles, like you said. And when he doesn't get pushed back, because, you know, he runs the ball really quick from the back, it instantly gets Melbourne on the front foot. And then within two to three tackles, now he's around the plate, the ball sniffing around. But again, we spoke about the first 20 minutes was very slow. Brisbane were in it. Obviously, they got that runaway try through Xavier Coates. But again, to me, this is out of out of the bottom four sides and all, all the sides down the bottom. Brisbane have the most talent out of those guys. They've got some young talent, some young gems. Um, if I'm Kevin Walters, I look at that and go, "That's a missed opportunity." I don't think you, I don't think you can win that game in Melbourne, but you could have made that close. That could have been a two-score game where you really put it to the t- and everyone still looks around going, "Hey, Brisbane might be here a bit earlier than what we thought." What's your thoughts from Brisbane? Obviously, had a great start to the game, uh, capitalizing a couple of errors, but obviously faded very hard. What's your thoughts there? Yeah, I mean, a bit concerning, isn't it? I mean, 2020, you saw Brisbane, they could get out to a great start and then they just didn't know how to, you know, close games or, you know, they once the other team got on top, they couldn't stop the um, stop the rampage. And that's what it looked like here the other night. You know, admittedly, we were, they were versing, you know, the, um, the, the premiers. But, um, yeah, once Brisbane, uh, Melbourne, sorry, they started getting a roll on Brisbane, Jay, just... Yeah, we just couldn't keep up, could they? Yeah, and again, a couple of questionable decisions. You know, your name Brody Croft in the seven all week, and then all of a sudden Dearden moves into the mm. into the the bench an hour before the game. And then when they're running on, Dearden's now in the starting lineup and Brody Croft's moved back to the bench. And I think it was Vossi on the call who mentioned it pretty well. If the team's going really great and Brisbane's winning that game, you're not taking off Dearden. You're gonna so where does Croft come on? And if they're down by 30, like they ended up being, 
what's Brody Croft going to do for you when you're down by 30? So it's, it's, a, it's just, it's kind of one of those things when it's said out loud, it kind of makes a lot of sense. As simple as that is to say, obviously that, that was a selection call by Kevy, but Brody Croft on the bench bring giving you 25 minutes in the game. I don't know what that's giving you. So like I said, they looked like they were up for it at the start. Again, a lot of Melbourne errors. Um, but yeah, the way they let, they let in those four tries in 11 minutes, it's worrying because it just shows a really good team can really put some points on. So obviously they got, they got the win against the Bulldogs and, you know, that did alleviate a lot of pressure and gave the playing group some real confidence. Um, but yeah, I think this is a nice big crush to reality for Brisbane to say you're still a fair bits away. Um before we do move on, we need to mention Anthony Milford. Uh, another yeah. round of criticism for Milf um, this week. Again, this is... I've been a Milf, a Milf uh, defender for a lot of the time. I, I think he's a bit cruelly... My, my argument is always don't look at the price tag, look at the player and look at the, the team that he's playing in. So, yeah, he might be on very, very good coin, but the rest of the team around him and the way they're playing... Um, I'll give you a good example, a bit off topic, but Tavita Pengai Jr. So mm-hmm. one of the most damaging forwards in the game on his day. The third Pappenhausen try when Solomona offloaded the ball. So he caught the ball about eight meters out from the line. Pengai made contact about five meters out of the line. And Pengai, who's ridiculously bigger than Pappenhausen, Pappenhausen was able to spin out of it and get the ball down. Now, you could say Pappenhausen is very slippery. You can say that, you know, the agility and the footwork was able to get that first step. And, you know, once you get that first step, it's very hard. But to me, that's uh, – when I watched that, you know, I was obviously cheering for the try. But then I kind of – every time these tries get scored, especially this week, I've kind of been looking at who, who went through them. So another example, going back to the Panthers game, Toto going over, ran through Suli twice. Suli's a big boy. And Todd bounced off him. So these are all the things that I really just monitor. So again, when we look at Milford and say, oh, Milford, you know, should have been doing this, 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 this. To me, it's, you know, you can't put that on it's Milford. Effort. Yeah, it's, no. it's all about the, it's, it's about all 17 blokes on the park. Yeah, he's on the big money and he's the playmaker, but I don't see how you play. I don't see how, how any potential scenario for Brisbane attacking where he, should be getting the full force of the of the criticism. What's your thoughts there? Yeah, definitely. Um, I, and I think that that might be a common theme around you know these um, these first four games is the effort areas that you're you're speaking about. You know, it's not just one player; it's it's a whole team mentality. And I think that's um, that's probably a good segue to to the next game: Sharks and Cowboys. I mean, mm. the effort area for the Cowboys. Jeez. Yeah, it's a good segue. The we spoke about it again. You know the talent divide between the top and the bottom. I wouldn't even put the Sharks in that top team um, category, but somehow they were able to put 48. This Sharks team without Sean Johnson, who's probably their best attacking weapon, uh, was able to put that many points on. So let's talk about it. Obviously, Todd Payton is now under extreme pressure. They have not started the season well. Jason Tombalolo has been injured after being caught out in the first game. Michael Morgan looks like he's going to be medically retired within the next two weeks. Where, where do we go from here, Johnny? Where, where's the where's the the hope for a Cowboys fan of how does this get better? Because the young guys that they brought in didn't get the job done. The older guys, like a Josh McGuire, looks like he's going to be moved on from the club pretty quickly. Reports tonight that Jake Clifford looks like he's going to ask for an early release to go down to Newcastle. So... He can join Newcastle because of their injury uh, depleted side. There's just so many different um, ways to start looking at this Cowboys team and just say, this is the worst situation in the NRL. This is the worst team situation in the NRL. What's your thoughts? Yeah, it's not looking good, is it? Unlike, you know, unlike the Seagull situation where where the coach hasn't made any changes, um, Toddy Payton has made some changes. You know, he's moved. You know, we spoke about moving down time homes to fullback, moving uh, drinky to to the halves and that's happened and we're still not getting a result um to be honest this this one's a head scratcher you know i don't think any one of the boys out there looked like they wanted to be playing that that night for the for the cowboys they got stripped so easy some of the sweeping plays uh it just and you know cowboys 
have been one of my, you know, everyone adopts a second and a third favorite team. We've always had a soft spot for the Cowboys. Um, and it's just so hard to watch. You know, I've, I was scratching my head all the first four rounds to go, why is the corpse of Jake uh, Jake Granville still in this team? You know, Jake Granville, a great player in his day, a great player, you know, instrumental in the 2015 grand final. But in 2021, when you have Ruben Cotter and you've got uh, Reese Robson, Reece you know, Robson, yeah. two young guys there that you brought up to the club, um, why are you playing Jake Granville? And after the after the game in the sheds when they're showing the pictures of all the guys deflated, it was Todd Payton and Jake Granville talking. So that's probably why he's in there, just for that, that you know, because to me, if he's not in that side, who's talking? Who's talking in that side, you know? Again, Brandy Alexander on the call said, you know, since JT, he was the one to hold everyone accountable. Who in this playing group is holding anyone accountable in this side? To me, I, yeah, I don't... To be honest. Like, really, it should be Jason Tomalolo, but, you know, he's injured, you know. The first game he plays for the for the new coach, he gets ripped to shreds, really. Like, you call out your, your million-dollar man. I just, you know, Todd Payton was a great coach, and, you know, there was a lot of raps when he did what he did with uh, the Warriors last year. But I think anyone who didn't factor in the Warriors have a lot more talent in their squad compared to what the Cowboys have which is why I had them penciled in for 15th. I said that they would have um, the worst attack in the league, um, or one of the worst attack, and they wouldn't get many wins. And that was only because when you just look at this roster, you know, you look at who's your best 1-17 to 17 that you can throw onto the field because the 1-17 to 17 that they threw out on the weekend, let me just... Because um, I think I think I mentioned it to who I was watching with, with the game. So let's bring up the team list here. Okay. So besides Valentine Holmes, who played fullback, I'm going to read out the next couple of names. You tell me which of the top four clubs will go Melbourne, Panthers, Para, and the Rabbits, okay? You tell me who's, who would, if any of these guys would make a 1-17 to 17 in any of those sides. So Tuolagi, O'Neill, Lamelu, uh, Fido, Drinkwater, Hampton. So that's the back line. None of these guys even make the 17 for any of the top ones. Which is why I just, again, it's one of those things where you say, you know, yeah, they're going poorly and all these things. Show me, where, where's the players to make any of this work? Todd Payne's got a very specific attacking style. You saw that with the Warriors last year. It's just dependent on the halves doing, you know, creating a lot of the work, playing eyes up footy. Um, I just don't see where you're getting with this team. And if Jake Clifford, who, you know, was already out the door at the start of the season, I thought played pretty well the first couple of rounds. He definitely wasn't the reason they lost games. He gets hooked. All of a sudden, he's going to be probably down the M1 down to Newcastle. Again, I don't see how you get better. You know, I did say before the season, Tigers, Wooden Spoon, Cowboys 15th. If I had to change it right now, four weeks in, I'll probably bump the Cowboys down a spot. And it's unfortunate to say, but I don't see how this gets better. How does this get better? Yeah, it's it's hard to see... um... What, I mean, obviously, Tom Alolo is, is a big omission, but, jeez, I'm not sure what else he's going to add to I mean, he'll add some go-forward, obviously, but, you know, um, you know Todd, Toddy Payton, he's been very vocal about, you know, limiting his minutes and trying to get more quality impact. But, yeah, I, I don't think Tom Alolo's shoulders are big enough to carry uh, the weight of this Cowboys team here. It's just scary. I'd love to speak to a Cowboys fan just to kind of get their their views because you just look at, again, that was the back line I said. Now you look at the forward pack. Josh Maguire looks like he's going to be out the door in the next couple of weeks. Francis Molo already signed to the Dragons for next year, so he's not going to be there. Jake Granville, don't know if he plays on next season, could be his last season. They're playing a number nine, Ruben Cotter, in the 13 jersey. they got Jason Tomololo, who they want to limit and play a certain way through the middle. There's just so many different ways. You know, Jordan McLean, who went up there and, you know, was supposed to be their gun signing a couple of seasons ago. He looks like he's right on that border of would he make a 17 in a lot of clubs? You know, they bring in a couple of young guys. You know, they drop Colin Hess to the bench, you know. Uh, Condon, who I have heard on different podcasts, you know, was coming through the ranks and they were really, really looking forward to him cracking the first grade and getting a running really good offload in him. I watched the game pretty closely because I did pick up in Supercoach just as a sneaky stash to see if there's something there. There's something there. He's he's He looks like he's got the body for it. But again, in this Cowboy side, I just don't see how anyone does the job. But 
that's enough negative negativity because I think we do need to mention the positive. Who would have thought the Sharks are playing this well without Sean Johnson? To me, I said in our group chat, Will Kennedy is making himself a boatload of money. Matt Moylan is proving that when he is fit, he is still one of the, I wouldn't say premier, but he's one of the great talents in the game. And Chad Townsend, for all what he's done in his career, this might be his most, you know, it's amazing that he was able to be the lead orchestrator on a team that put on 50. It was incredible. The forward pack, yeah. it's, it's, a, it's a weird forward pack as well. Um, you know, there's some there's some youth with, you know, Ueli, and they brought in Teague Wilton, who I've had my eye on a little while. Um, you know, Harati comes over from the Rabbits. He fills in Connor Tracy, who's a half, moves into the centres. John Morris, this is one I definitely would take the L on. I thought he would not make it through this season. To me, he's you're talking about coach of the year right now. He has to be up there because they're playing out of their skin. Yeah, they, uh, I think you hit on the head. Like you, they've got a bit of some, a bit of mismatch of players. You know, you got Connor Tracy in the centers. You've got, uh, yeah, Will Kennedy, who was like a backup fullback last year, and Matt Moylan. You know, he's one hammy away. But somehow they're managing to become a very cohesive team. And the Sharks have always had this in their DNA, right? They've always had this very gritty sort of style of footy. But um, yeah, everything's just clicking out there. Um. To the surprise of, I guess, many league fans, I believe. Yeah, and I'm happy for the Shark fans because, you know, obviously they got the premiership, they had the scandal off the field, but they've always been one of those teams that, I don't know about you, but I've always just liked a lot of players in their team. They've always just had, like, you know, oh, I like that player. Oh, they've got him in their squad. I like that player. You know, I did start really taking an interest into um, reserve grade and, like, reading up and listening to a couple of the the club podcast to see who are the young guys to keep an eye out. And the one name I kept hearing from every shark one was Teague Wilton, you know, really good second rower, really good edge player. You know, he's played two games now where he had to play big minutes last week because of the injuries. And obviously this week started. And yeah, whole forward re- back pretty much. Yeah. Really good. Really good. You know, they just bring these guys through, you know, Will Kennedy, when you look at that Newtown Jets team that won the title two years ago, so many of them are in this team, you know, Will Kennedy is, like I said, it's going to be such an interesting dilemma when Sean Johnson is back in this team because all of a sudden you're going to have Chad Townsend and Moylan in the halves. So presumably one of them have to go. Okay, Sean Johnson walks in. But now are you putting Moylan to fullback and then what happens to Kennedy? Does Kennedy go into the centres? Does he go onto the bench? Does he not make this? It's just, I guess it's a really good problem to have. It shows that you've got good depth in your in your uh, squad. You know, a guy like Karate coming in. Um, it's just... I like what the Sharks are doing and they've got a brutal stretch coming up. I had a look because uh, I was just, you know, interested to see from a super coach perspective um, from a, if I can pick up any Sharks and what their lineup, what their draw is. I'll just quickly go through it because it is a bit of a tough one before it looks like Sean Johnson's going to be back around nine or 10 is the reports. So I just want to kind of rattle through their, their run here. So they're two and two right now, two wins, two losses. So they got the Roosters, they got the Knights, the Dogs, but then they go Storm, Panthers, Rabbits. So there's a couple of hard games in there, but realistically, if they can get to, you know, four and five and then have Sean Johnson come back and they're sitting right around that eight, I think you have to feel great as a Sharks fan. If that's what you're, if you are right around 500 and all of a sudden you get your best attacking player back, you've got to feel great. So. All the Shark fans, you know, really happy for you guys. That was a great performance. Obviously, you, the the job of our team is to beat the teams that are below you in talent, and the Sharks blew them out of the water. So we'll move on to the next game. It was the, the Canberra Raiders uh, and the Gold Coast Titans at a neutral venue at um, Netstrata Jubilee down in Cogra. Uh, but the Raiders came out 20-4. to They beat the Titans. Uh, I might let you lead on this one. I only uh, caught this one. Um, I saw a little bit of it, but to me, this was all about from the KO mini highlights, especially. I did watch the full game, but I kind of just wanted to break down the mini. It definitely looked like it was a tussle, but just the the overall class, you know, Fogarty got an injury, no Ash Taylor, so the halves were a bit compromised for the Titans. But this is just a very professional uh, Canberra Raiders outfit. What are you seeing from the Raiders this season? Yeah, so with the Raiders, um, look, as you said, I, I didn't catch this game myself, but um, yeah, but 
from the looks of it, it looks like neither team really got into the groove of things. No one really dominated, but you know, the Raiders, there are everyone knows that they're, they're a top eight team. And you know, the, the the thing with those top teams is that winners win. And you know, even if they're you know playing at you know second gear, these teams just seem to find a way to win, and that's what the Raiders are. With the Titans, um, this this game, I feel like it's it's a bit of a change from the first four slides. Um, um, the first four games, you had, you know, the big blowouts. This game, there wasn't really a blowout. So I feel like with the Titans, they'll be either side the eighth. Maybe not, maybe either, you know, I'm putting them seventh to ten-ish this season. Yeah, I think the Titans are going to go through this now. Obviously, they came in with a huge expectations before the season started. But this is now where you get tested as a side. A couple of injuries. Obviously, Ash Taylor yeah. out with his broken hand. Jamal Fogarty looks like he picked up an injury over the weekend, hopefully not too serious. So, you know, two very key injuries to start the season. This is when you need to start getting, you know, obviously Tino and Dave Fafita, the four-pack oh, looks like a strong hood. Mitch Rain has yeah. been playing some pretty good footy. But to me, this is the AJ Brimson show. Now, this is where a guy like an AJ Brimson, you know, you're missing Brian Kelly, one of your strike weapons out wide. Your halves are compromised. The really good size, this is where the, you know, the, the fourth, the fifth, the sixth players on the on the roster really need to step up, or the or the number one player needs to step up in in place of those guys. So, you know, it was a good effort. It was a good effort from what I saw. The the Raiders forward pack and like it's going to do the most this season. It's a great forward pack, and it will you know match for match if they've got game breakers on the other side. But to me, George Williams is one of the most underrated halves in the comp. I haven't. I don't think Jack Whiten's really taken off this season. Uh, it has been the George Williams show and Josh Hodgson as well, who's coming back from obviously from his ACL injury. I'm really liking um, that little combination on dummy half. He's getting some really nice service, George Williams, going one of the really nice kicking games in the comp. Um, so I think that's just the difference between these two teams. You've got the Raiders who have really nice squad depth. You know, if, if one of the halves was to go out for the Raiders, you know, you've got a semi Williams who will be able to come in, who's played plenty of first grade, will be up for the challenge. Uh, you know, if a Charles Cox, who was amazing in this game, I will shout out him. Um, he was absolutely tremendous. He took the most hit ups, the most run meters. Uh, he was just all, all over it. So uh, especially after how they played last the week before, how they had a lot of players out um, with injury and uh, some guys had to play some extended minutes. Um, it was a fantastic performance by, by them. But yeah, again, this is, it's, a, it's the talent divide where a really good team, uh, really aims up. We'll just quickly, I just want to give you Chan's um, run details. So he had 27 runs, 266 meters, and 74 post contact meters. Like as a fullback doing that, it's crazy. That's just getting your team on the front foot. He also had a try saver in that game as well. And Anthony Dom, he's just, a, he's just one of those underrated fullbacks. And, you know, and like I said, this is where, you know, the Raiders have had some injuries this season as well, but then been able to battle through. So for the Titans, definitely. You know, this is a this isn't a panic loss. You know, the Canberra is a lot more talent than the Titans. Titans coming with expectations and injuries. This is where they're going to have to start getting through the next couple of rounds. So, it'll be interesting to monitor now from the Titans if Fogarty's out for a little bit, seeing how how they kind of progress and keep a hold of that and don't let their season go go away because they've started well here. You know, like you said, the, the big recruits Tino Fafita, they're doing their job. Tino through the middle looks yeah. like a different man. The first couple of rounds, he looks like he's really finding a home in that middle and just powering through. So good, good sides for the Titans. Obviously, it's a slow build from all those wooden spoons, then moving up, just missing eight last year. Like you said, that six to ten range is probably where you're going to sit. They'll finish at the end of the, end of the season. Um, but again, that, that's a tremendous result for a team three years ago that we all were like, okay, when are we moving this team out of the Gold Coast and putting them in Perth? Yeah, before that, um, before those big signings, we were. I think everyone was thinking, who would want to go to the Titans? Yeah, who who'd want to? The Titans used to be that club where you know you go over there for big money, yeah. and you know you were never gonna um, get any any wins up there. But now, you know, um, with Tino and um, Dave Fafita, they've they've actually worked worth the hype. You know, you see Tino, he he played some massive minutes out in prop, but he's gee, he's looking good. And David Fafita, I mean, he he's just um, yeah rolling on, isn't he? Yeah, and a lot of people will point to the contract and say, like, I think it was 1.1 mil or 1.3 oh, mil, whatever it was. 
to me, for a team like Tongue, you just have to get the, the talent in. Yeah. So you, you're going to have to overpace the Gold Coast. Like you said, no one yeah. wants to go to the Gold That's no one's first choice option. So you're going to have to, there's a, probably the extra couple of hundred thousand on, on the on the tax that you're going to pay because you're on the Gold Coast Tigers. But yeah. once you've got that first guy in, and then you've got the Tino in there, and now, yeah. you know, you're starting to chug along. And let's say they finish seventh this year and they play a final and they look really good in that final. All of a sudden, next season, a guy goes, okay, is it me or the, is it Titans or another team? I'll go to the Titans because I like what they're going up there. So it's all about building that foundation. So that one point, whatever mill contract it was for Fafita, was never just going to be for Fafita. You're building, you're, you're building the foundation for you're hoping the next three to five years where he attracts the other players because the way he's playing right now, you know, you can have the argument of who's the best edge player in the comp. He's in that conversation. So it was a good signing. It's, like I said, Canberra Raiders roll on, Titans, good signs in defeat. Well, we'll move on to the next game and this one hurt me. I know it hurt you. You're the Knights fan. Oh, I'll let you commiserate here. Uh, the Dragons went up the M1 up to McDonald General Dome Stadium in Newcastle. Uh, and Newcastle had one of those days where... We'll talk about it, but 22 to 13, they lost. The Dragons got up, uh, got the the good the Easter Sunday chocolates. Um, but I think we can't really go past starting with this game without the injuries. Mitch Pierce, the, the former club captain, the primary playmaker, looks like he's out for at least 10 to 14 weeks with a torn pectoral muscle. Uh, huge news out of there. Um, I saw a stat flash up that I didn't actually believe. Uh, they've played 10 games without Mitch Pierce since 2018 and have only won two of them, two out of 10. I was shocked to think that Mitch Pierce at this stage of his career is that much of a contributor to win percentage, but there it is. Uh, we also have Tex Hoy, who uh, looks like he pulled a hamstring out two to three weeks. Kurt Mann is in the concussion protocol. You've also got David Clemmer, who had scans on a knee, looks like he's going to be touch and go for next week. Uh, you got Jacob Sarfidi, looks like he's going to be suspended. Um, take the floor as the Newcastle fan here. You know, you've lost to the Tigers and the Dragons in back-to-back weeks. How are we, how are we feeling? Uh, so it's cursed minus jersey, isn't it? Um, <laughs> oh, jeez, this game. I think um, Adam O'Brien said it really well, is that, you know, as fans, as members, as a community, you can be very disappointed in the scoreline, but you can't be disappointed with the boys' efforts that day. And I this was probably one of the most brutal games I've watched in a while. The forward pack was just going tit for tat. And even with all the injuries going on, the Knights forward pack, they didn't give an inch. They were still standing up there, even though we had like one person left in the bench by the end of it. Um, and look, by the end of it, I think it was, you know, 13 to, 13 to 12 at one point. And, you know, we, we had got the lead, but then we, yeah, all the injuries just, just caught up to us. And um, yeah, the, the Dragons, compared to what they dished out in the trials where they got thumped by you know, um, um, Cody Walker's hat-trick, they've turned things around really well in terms of their defence. Yeah, I'll, I'll really touch on the Newcastle side because I did watch this game pretty close. I was at the uh, SCG waiting for the Bruce's game to start, so I watched this in a pub, got a pretty good view of it. Really early on, there was about... It would have been in less than 10 minutes in. You guys had a couple of sets on the on the try line attacking and you got a scrum. You got a repeat set. You got a scrum and it was directly in front of the sticks, 10 metres out. And Dave Clemmer has a little tussle with Dane Laurie, um, Blake Laurie and gives away a penalty. So you have the ball feeding the scrum 10 metres out and you give away the penalty. Now you don't lose the game there, but to me... It's just those are the things you just can't afford. You know, when you're in that six to 10 range, like we said, there's a couple of teams in that range, you can't afford to be doing those type of things. And Dave Klimmer has been around the block, one of the most experienced guys in that pack. He should be a leader. Just it's not the option. Now he's saying they got headbutted, all those things. Whatever's going on there, you just can't afford to give the ball because you were about one set away from cracking that line. And credit to the Dragons. Dragons from a couple of years ago would have leaked a try in that first set there on the line. So just wanted to mention that because I, when I look back at this Newcastle side, um, 
because again, they're probably these are the two teams in my preseason when I was like really looking to do the podcast, and I was like all the different options of the ladder. I had Newcastle as high as fourth at one stage. I think I have. I think I finished them down in tenth from memory or eighth. Um, and the Dragons, I had anywhere from six to fourteen, I think, and I think I ended up putting them at eleven. Um, just two really interesting sides because again, Newcastle now with all these injuries, looks like Kalen Pong is back next week, so that's a plus. Uh, Edric Lee looks like he's at one to two weeks away, which is good. Blake Green returned on the bench, uh, and he's still got Lachlan Fitzgibbon to come back, so there's still some talent to come into this side. Um, but yeah, I think Adam um, Adam O'Brien has got a bit, a bit of a challenge because Newcastle should not be losing games like they have in the last two rounds. They are better teams than the Tigers and the Dragons. And I partially agree with Adam O'Brien. Okay, I can't fault the effort, but the execution is... Or even, even when the injuries weren't there, um, having two kicks getting charged out in the same game you just can't do it. Like, where's your where's your forward to give a bit of a block to give your kicker a bit of room? Where's the, you know, just those are the things I just look at from a Newcastle side because I've watched both games uh, in the last two weeks pretty closely with a Newcastle fan and obviously waiting to get into the game yesterday. And it was just, if I'm a Newcastle fan, I am, that's two wins you should not have given up. You just... And when you now, when you really look at this season now, because we're four games in, like I said, I think, I think every four rounds is really good to take stock of where you are. You've lost those two games that you shouldn't have lost, but let's look at the two games you won. You beat the Warriors just with four minutes yeah, left, Bradman best because of Bradman yeah. best and a piece of yeah. magic. In the first round, don't forget you were down to the Bulldogs. You were the only team that let the Bulldogs score, and they were up on you. So now if I so now if I take away my two and two record, I just look back holistically and go, how is Newcastle this season? All of a sudden I'm looking at it going, I'm not impressed. And now you've got some injuries building up. So again, I, I do preference that by saying with all these teams down the bottom, if you're out if you're without your best player, it's tough. So obviously, no Kalen Ponga, I can't judge you yet. But again, is this our thing where a one player can come in here and really change the fortunes of a team? So I'll be interested to watch. But quickly going back to the Dragon side, again, I just similar to the Sharks, a lot of players I like in this team that just do a couple of little different things. Probably without two of their top five players in Ben Hunt and Jack Bird in this game. And, you know, Tarek Sims, huge effort this game. I thought Blake Laurie, Paul Vaughan stood up. Um, they're just getting the job done. And I really like it, you know. It's not last season. It was a bit of if Matt Dufty and Zach Lomax don't get us over the hump, we're not there. Matt Dufty didn't have a great game on the weekend. Had a had a couple of good spurts, but this was just a great team effort. I think Corey Norman really stood steered them around the park well. Really happy that Corey's having a great season. I think Adam Clune's making himself some money, similar to Will Kennedy. I think there's gonna be a lot of halfback needy teams this off season. I think Adam Adam Clune's in a Australian or seven jersey somewhere for next season. So yeah, I think uh, Hook's got a lot, Anthony Griffin's got a lot of um, criticism for you know some of his selection choices. You know, letting Cameron McInnes go, bringing Andrew McCulloch. But right now, if anyone, if you thought that the Dragons want to do what they did at this stage, I think a lot of fans wouldn't have thought that was possible. So great, great effort. And I guess my question to you to wrap up this game with the Dragons: Do we see them? When Ben Hunt comes back in four weeks, um, where do we see this team finishing? Obviously, I haven't really asked you about the Dragons before. Is this a team that can push the eight, or do you think they're going to kind of regress and sit into that maybe that 11 to 13 range? Uh, with the Dragons, I, I feel like it's still a bit of a wait and see. Look, they're three in a row. Um, but, you know, this week they beat... Uh, their defence was okay. Their attack... To be honest, it still looked a bit shit. And this is coming from a Knights fan as well. Our attack mm. pretty shit on the weekend as well. But, you know, our, their, their fifth tackle options, they weren't there. You know, that said, they were missing Ben Hunt. But, you know, two of the tries were from charge downs. And I'm just trying to remember, they beat the Seagulls last week. They did. And before that, they beat the... Uh, I can't remember who they beat. They beat the Cowboys. 
So <clears throat> that's not, um, yeah, yeah. It's not a murderer's row. Yeah, it's not yeah. a murderer's row, but I guess my counter to that would be if you're a bottom eight side, beat the other bottom eight sides. Yeah. Which yeah, is what they're what doing. The, and, yeah. and realistically, when we look back at this season, when we look back at the end of this season, this Knights victory might be very key for them because that might be a team, a team that finishes above them in the comp, but they're able to steal a win. And I think that's what all these bottom eight sides need to do right now. Beat up on each other, beat up on who you can beat up and steal a couple of wins. So again, um, really keen. I think I was saying this in the first podcast. I don't know how I've got, I think I know more Knights fans than any other fan base. Uh, you, Rich, Steve, and all. I just, I feel for you guys, man, because, you know, there's a couple of teams. You in have the, the roster. It's it's frustrating. Yeah, you know, you've got a great roster, and there's a couple of there's a couple of sides in the comp that the comp is just better when those sides are flying. And I'd put Newcastle on that list when when Newcastle's going, um, and the Novacastrians are thinking a premiership is is imminent. Um, it's better, but again, like you said, they got the talent. So looks like you have a decent 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 coach in Adam O'Brien to turn it around. Uh, and you got the playing group. So obviously, Mitch Pierce is a huge loss. But if you can get Jay Clifford down early, uh, which is the report tonight, and you know Blake Green's there, um, Connor Watson going to six, there's options. You got KP coming back, so I think you'll be okay. So we'll move on to the next one. It's the second last game of the round. I was at this one live, my first live game of the of the year. The Sydney Roosters hosting the New Zealand Warriors. It felt like a Warriors home game. I'll talk about some of the things I did notice, um, but the war the Roosters got up thirty two to twelve. It was a it was a really fun game for the first thirty minutes. Um, my comments about the the Warriors fans were loud on a couple <laughs> on a on a couple of conversions that Takiyaho took for the Roosters. He was getting booed like really booed. Um, every time the Warriors got a six again, the cheers would go up. It was just fun. It was fun to be at the footy. Uh, if anyone has been thinking about going back to the footy now, we've got fans back, go. Um, it was really nice being around 13,000 people again and, you know, in that atmosphere. But a couple of things I will mention. So obviously, a couple of reasons I went to this game with Dave, my Warriors mate. Uh, RTS is possible last Australia game that we want to see live. So I had to go see RTS live one more time. But I went for Sam Walker. I really wanted to see Sam. If all the hype spots about Sam Walker is true, I wanted to be there for his debut. Just to kind of see. Because, you know, when obviously when you're watching it on the on the television, um, it's obviously fixed on the ball. You can't really see what's going on. I wanted to see off the ball. Yeah. How do you look? He's impressive. He's yeah. really he's really impressive. He's 80 kilos. So he's tiny. There's not much of him, is there? No, yeah. he's tiny. And every time he put a, a kick in, he got battered. The Warriors would yeah. come through and put a shot on. He got up. There was one that it was a real late shot. He could have stayed down and got a penalty. He bounced up. So it didn't stay down. I like that. But yeah, he he sweeps well. He's got really nice command. A couple of times he was kind of pushing guys to get around to in attack to say, you go here. I want to get the ball here. You know, that first try assist to Butcher went to the line, bit of a double pump, hit, hit him nice at the line, got in for that try. It was beautiful. To me, you know, the Roosters fans, when they did the, the pregame lineup of the teams, he easily got the biggest cheer, uh, even bigger than Teddy. Um, they, they're all about him. Every time he touched the ball and did something wood, you know, there was just, every time he touched the ball, there was a bit of what's going to happen. And, you know, for a young guy, an 18-year-old, I thought he was just outstanding. He's really smart. The way they, in defense, they would hide him a little bit wider than the halfback spot. They probably put him in the centers for a lot of the time when the ball wasn't near him, so he wasn't really doing a lot of back and forward movement. Off the kickoff, staying close to the wing and working his way in. But for an 18-year-old who's had, you got to think, last year there was no reserve grade. So he missed a year of footy. That was a big development year for him. He didn't play, he didn't come off the bench and, you know, blood him in for 20 minutes. He came straight into the NRL, straight into a side that just lost uh, Luke Keery, one of the best playmakers in the comp. Big shoes to fill right there. And he looked like he bloody, he's going to be there for the next 10 years. Like, you know, not going to overreact and say, you know, I've been there for, I was there for Jared Haynes' debut. Um, 
it's just I think you just, when you see those guys and you go, oh, that's a that's a that's a guy, that's a footballer, that's going to be a guy I'm going to see for the next ten to fifteen years. The next Joey, they say sometimes. <laughs> you Look, got a new seven coming. He's he's going to be there for the next ten to fifteen years. There's no doubt in my mind. After what again? I just wanted to, the Warriors have a huge pack. I, w- I was really intrigued to see how how they would kind of rough him up and how, you know, but again, he was just really impressive. Really impressive is what I'll say. And, you know, obviously a team with Tedesco, who you saw Tedesco's first try, broke through by himself, went across field, picked out Egan, went straight through him. The Roosters are still going to be a side to, they're still going to be a side to be reckoned with in this comp. Do I think they can win the comp? I think a lot of things have to go their way. Or will they be a top six team and can they get through it all prelim? Definitely. I think another key thing last night, uh, Victor Adley being back. Yeah. He, was, he was rusty. Uh, he's always that guy who offers a bit of shape and kind of plays a 5-8 role. Um, I think he had two or three balls go to ground, um, passing out the back. But again, that's just timing. He's been out for a year. So to me, the Roosters, again, you, you lost a guy like Luke Keery. But, you know, Sam Barrels will come back into this team in four weeks. Local Lamb looks like probably about six to eight weeks. Um, Brett Morris still doing his damn thing. Another another double for Brett Morris. Um, yeah, I'm not ruling out this Roosters team. This Roosters team, it was I was really intrigued to see how they're going to go. Um, a lot of factors going on last night. But, again, they just proved that a great coach, a great roster, they can get the job done. Even a Drew Hutchinson, who has been a journeyman for most of his career, he was there last night pushing around Angus Crichton, probably the best second row in the comp, telling him to where to sit in his spot. All about it. And from the Warriors side, you know, again, you hung in there with the Roosters in, in Sydney at the SCG for the first half an hour. I thought they played really strong. Adam Fanuel Blake getting injured really hurt them. Um, they were punching through the middle and matching them. As soon as AFB went off the field, they lost that. So it just shows how how valuable he is to this team. Um, but yeah, I think the Warriors don't really lose much in defeat. I don't think they were ever pitching themselves as a premiership contender, but they can definitely be around that eight. Uh, but to me, it's the Roosters. And that I was, I think we spoke um, right after the injury and I said, is it time to rule out the Roosters? And we said, let's, you know, watch a couple of games here and I'm not ready to rule them out. I know you didn't see much of this game, but I guess full of roosters and put put the hype around Sam Walker to the side. Um, this is still a side to be reckoned with. Would you agree? Oh, 100%. You know, there, there were some people saying, you know, oh, the roosters season's it's done. You know, they won't make the eight. But in reality, you know, they've got so much depth. Um, you know, you lose Luke Curie and you get a guy like Sam Walker. Plus you get, um, you know, uh, Victor and then Victor coming back. He's he he. I don't think people can underestimate you know what what his uh, injury meant for the Roosters last year. Just having that extra link, um, you know, in the middle of the field, and you know he's such a presence defensively as well. He's you know that Cameron Murray sort of mold. Um, having him back, that's a huge huge plus back for them. And like you said, they do still have a few injuries out. You know, Jake Friend doesn't help, um, but. You know, they'll have um, Lachlan Nam coming back in the halves and um, yeah, any team with um, Tedesco, you can't really write off, can you? No. Uh, again, a well-coached side, a good roster, really nice home field advantage at the SCG. You're not going to rule them out. And we'll move on to the last game, a game I had a lot invested in, pulling my hair out at stages, but we got the win. Parramatta Eels hosting oh, – sorry, it was the West Tigers hosting the Parramatta Eels at Stadium Australia, Easter Monday. Uh, Parramatta 36 defeating the West Tigers 22. Um, yeah, this was, if I could just, if I could take the first 20 minutes and the last 10 minutes out of this game as a paraffin, I'd be so happy. But the middle, and I heard uh, Gutho talking in the post game, really not happy with the performance. You know, happy to get 36 and get the win. Um, but as a paraffin, I love that we're playing we're not playing great footy and we're getting the win. You know, we didn't play great footy. So like the Raiders. We didn't play really good against the Tigers. We didn't play good against the Brisbane Broncos in round one, but we're snatching wins. So valuable. And, you know, Gotham had a great point. We really 
fired in the first eight rounds of last season and probably peaked too early. We're not playing our best footy, which is all we want. So I'll pass it over to you because obviously I've got my, my blue and gold goggles on right now. Um, <laughs> Parramatta, are we contenders? Yeah, definitely. Um, you know, I think any team that can beat, you know, the Storm, the Premiers, are definitely put themselves in contender category. Um, 22 to 36, it's interesting, this one. The, the I don't think the Tigers deserved to be you know, blown out by 13 plus. It was definitely a lot closer than that. Yeah. And yeah, having the Tigers, you know, they beat the Knights last week and um, they went pretty close to being the Eels this week, to be honest. Um, effort is is there. Unlike, you know, the first four games we were talking about, there, there actually is effort in this Tigers team, which is interesting. Yeah. And, you know, I had them down for the spoon and after the first two yeah. rounds, I was really thinking, okay, I've, there's a chance here I'm going to be right. But, yeah, they're, they're starting to, Madden McGuire is starting to really tink with the lineup the way he wants it. And I think he's got a really fast hook in when he wants to pull someone. Looks like Alex Twal only played 32 minutes today. I was kind of watching the game in the second half going, when's he kind of come back on? He never came back on. So whether, you know, uh, Madge just saw that first bit and just said, I'm not having him out there because I need to have a, it looks like Empire played that kind of lock role, that roaming 13. Um, that's so popular now in the NRL. Um, but yeah, you know, the, the forwards played all shared minutes, Stefano, uh, McKaylee, uh, often in Gowie. So, you know, there's signs, if you're a Tigers fan, there's signs that this season's actually going to be a good season. I thought Dewey played pretty well. Luke Brooks. Oh, those bombs. You know, it looks like that's the, the new thing this year is just, you know, if you're around that halfway line and you're not making meters or, you know, you've just got there, just put up that. And, and I think um, Brandy said it on the commentary today. It's not a true bomb where he's like, it's that one where you kind of hit it on the belly of the ball. And just, you know, yeah. you just see some of the best. It just swells. Seen. It's an yeah. absolute nightmare. Like Gutho there, you know, Gutho doesn't put those down. He's safe as house. Oh, yeah, that's, and yeah. for him just to go, it went straight through the bed basket. He just looked up <laughs> and just was like, yep, I'll put that one down. And then they just keep, I don't think uh, Siva fielded a bomb today. They all went down to Fergo. Um, oh, he, he had a he would, he was <laughs> more comfortable. There was nah. a couple of times he had to go down to the ground and take the ball down with him. Um, but again, as a para fan, you know, we let them back into the game. You know, I think we're up 16-0. Uh, it shouldn't have got that close. You know, we let in a couple of really bad tries and just unforced errors. Um, and that's, as a para fan, it's probably the one thing I do want to clean up is these errors that we're doing. Um, really liking our impact off the bench. You know, obviously we had Maddo ruled out before the game. So uh, we had Papali'i come in. I thought Oregon Kafusi played really well today. Um, you know, a young guy who's come in and really done the job there. So if I'm a Parramatta fan, as I am, I'm, you know, I'm cautiously optimistic. You know, I never want to get on Ticket Tech and book the fit tickets now for the grand final, but um, I'm really, uh, yeah, if, if you're not playing your best footing, you still come out, you know, and get the win against a dangerous, you know, the, for what I think of the Tigers, I don't think they're a very good side, but they're a dangerous side. Uh, you know how you saw Lucy today with that, that little offload. You know, Dane Laurie just looks like he's going to be in and about it for the next 10 years as well, or similar to a Sam Walker, you know. He just is going to be one of those guys sniff around the board just getting 15 tries a season. So um, I'll, I'll, I think from a power side, I'm happy with that. But from, with the Tigers side, yeah, if I'm a Tigers fan, I'm feeling a lot more better. Like you said, you, you knocked off the Knights in Newcastle. You took it to Parramatta. It, what that wasn't a 36 to 22 game that was you know obviously they did try for the for the big win at the end of the i think we scored two tries in the last three minutes so yeah. obviously that did help the score line it's only two um, points in it really yeah exactly so if you're a if you're a tigers fan you're taking taking a lot out of it um and i think quickly just i will check the tigers um because i feel like that's another team that's had a pretty tough goal of it in the first couple of rounds um so they'll be very interesting to see um i'm just bringing up now their little run here so yeah they're versed so he's wow okay so they had the raiders in round one they had the roosters in round two then they versed the knights who wish they won and they lost to paris day they've got a nice little up and down flow here so they got the cowboys next week so probably favored at leichhardt then they verse uh the rabbits which you know them two always throw up a little game then they got Manly, Dragons, Gold Coast, and Newcastle again. Takes them to round 10. So 
the weather this little stretch here you know there could be some chances here for the tigers to go on a little run if they can get some form sneak some wins they can stay well clear of that wooden spoon which i guess you know obviously they're probably pushing more for the eight but i think realistically if you're a tigers fan if you can get through the season find who your players are and get you know an 11th 12th place finish i think that's a, a good season compared to the first couple of rounds as to where you thought you would be yeah, and um, just before we, we leave this, uh, I want to give a, a shout-out to, to your forward pack as well. Uh, you know, your forward pack, you had uh, Regan Campbell, Gillard, Junior Paulo, and Nathan Brown. They were just punching up holes in the middle, weren't they? Yeah. They, and Isaiah Papali as well. Your forward pack is something to be reckoned with. Yeah, uh, I th- we've spoken about it a couple of times. The missing link for me, you know, in a final game is... Maddo on one side, near Corey on the, uh, sorry, probably on the other side, and Sean Lane to the bench is the way I, wa- is <laughs> yeah. the way I want to see uh, it go. But yeah, the, our forward pack, that's the strength of this team. When we roll through the middle uh, and we can have Gutho and Mitch Moses play some eyes up footy, that's when we're, the, that's when we're the, the threat that we are. So that's a good point. But we'll leave it there. Uh, like I said, I want to do a soup. We didn't really touch a lot of super coach um, in this podcast. I want to kind of leave that for a separate one because. Every four weeks, I just want to hit a really big overall super coach, look at some of the top performers, some of the performances that we're, you know, shocked by, disappointed in. So definitely want to try and get you on for that one. Uh, but thanks for coming on, Johnny. Uh, good wrap. All right. Thanks for having me back. Always, always a pleasure. No worries. And thanks for listening, guys. I'm pretty sure this podcast will get us over the 2,000 downloads. So thanks so much for listening and tuning in, guys. Love doing the content. Uh, like I said, want to do a couple more of these, you know, um, round wrap-ups and TLTs, sneak in some bonus pods. I know me and Johnny have already recorded a couple that we're pretty happy with, so we'll get those out, you know, in the next couple of weeks as a little bonus podcast. But thanks for listening, guys. Go to the socials at the NRL Rewind on Facebook and Instagram. Thanks for listening, guys, and have a great day. Cheers.